Welcome to Rants About Humanity, a podcast where we interview guest experts with passionate opinions about important topics that don't get enough attention. Raw, unfiltered, thought-provoking perspectives with no censorship. With your host, Philip Van Houta. Welcome everyone to the Rants About Humanity podcast. Today I have Matthijs Kruk as a guest. Matthijs is a psychologist who started Mind Your Sex as a vehicle for men to increase a more healthy relationship with their sexuality. He works with men who get stuck in their sexual behavior and who want to break this pattern. To get the stigma of the phenomenon sex addiction, Matthijs wrote a book in Dutch called Lust, uh, Lust as Lust. <laughs> also, he produced a podcast with the same title, to give an insight to the inner worlds of men for whom their lust has become a big part of their life. Thanks so much for being a guest on the podcast and talk about not lost in translation, but lust in translation. <laughs> Hello. Welcome. Thanks. <laughs> How was your relationship with lust when you were growing up, like as a teenager? I know the first sexual feelings came there with me when I was 12. Yeah. How was it for you? Okay. So we're starting uh, with my childhood experiences. That's good. Well, it's a good question because I think sexuality and also later on in life when uh, my book is called Sexual Desire as a Burden, uh, that's mm -hmm. uh, the translation, I suppose. And I think in, the, in your childhood, something starts and it can become later on in life a big part of your life. And sometimes it's lust and sometimes it's a burden. So back to me. Your question about my sexuality, my early childhood, I, I couldn't remember it very well, but I know for a fact that I was quite busy as a teenager with sexual things. So it, it got my interest very, very early on. Yeah. Yeah. For me, and this is always a podcast without filter, you kind of guys know like how I talk about it. As soon as I could come, let's say, and I could start like masturbating. It became like a mechanism for me to relieve pressure. I know yeah. a lot of guys when they're studying, like you can let me know if you want to share. Then you like masturbate a lot because you're so much in your head and you just want to, you yeah. know, like, ah, oh, have silence in your head. And then, you know, as soon as you come, it's like, ah, finally, like my head is empty, you know. I don't know yeah. if that was the experience for you, but I know that it was like a, a pressure valve almost like mechanism back then. Yeah, but I think when you're very young, it's not like that. I think you're, it's just it's an interesting feeling because it's new to you. Mm -hmm. And then later on, when, when maybe you've got your early stress experiences as in, in, in high school or in, or in university, then maybe it, got, it gets associated with, well, getting off the pressure, as you say. Mm -hmm. In my podcast, I have five episodes and one of them is, uh, is talking about this. And he, he says it's not a porn addiction that he had, but it's an orgasm addiction. Mm -hmm. So he was addicted to the feeling, this very intense feeling of, of orgasm because all the other feelings in life are quite negative for him or not very nice, let's say. So he was, every time he was looking to overwrite this these bad feelings. So he became addicted to the feeling of orgasm, this intense feeling. Yeah. And I'm curious about your experiences, especially how it developed. And when you start seeing it as a burden, or as a problem, I know that, and we can talk, we'll talk about a lot of things also like no fap and no masturbation, etc. Mm. because there is some kind of part that sexual energy, life force builds up and it keeps on building up. And it's like almost uncontrollable then like that urge, like so much energy and or sometimes combined with having anxiety, having stress, having so much unresolved emotions that you want that escape, you want that uh, release. Mm. And that then like coming or sex can be like, ah, oh, this is the vessel to finally let go of all that stress, anxiety. And then I don't know how long, depends on how long you have this feeling. It's like fine, but then there's still like this void, this hole that you don't deal with. And then it starts building up again. And then ah, uh, you seek release again, you know? Yeah, but if you say it like that, it seems that you think that it's almost always the case with that you want this feeling as a as a boy or girl, maybe. I don't know if you have some differences. I'm talking from the perspective if it would be a burden. Yeah, okay, burden. if yeah, it yeah, would yeah, be yeah. like that. Yeah, so according to you, because I have my perspective on this, but according sure. to you, when do you think 
this line is being crossed from lust to or sexual desire. Well, then I use a typical C model that they use with addiction. When you have a craving, when you can't control it and you keep mm. doing it despite negative consequences or you feel bad afterwards. Yeah. And you feel that it's controlling you instead of you controlling it. All that's right. when I say, uh, and it's not a choice anymore. Okay. So that's the only criterion. Then. Not the only, but I think it would be like a main one. Everybody has like addictions and almost anything can become an addiction. But when you notice these things, this craving, this uncontrollable craving for something you do things despite negative consequences for yourself or other people and you feel you yeah. can't control it then often it can become an addiction even seemingly healthy things like sports let's say and you mm. feel you have to do a marathon three times a week and it seems good on the service like he's exercising it can become an addiction or a negative pattern can yeah. it doesn't have yeah to and on the same time when for example your value in life or one of your values in life is to be a sexual being and mm. to, to, to strive for, well, sexuality because it's a positive value for you. Can it be or can it become an addiction when, when sexuality is a main value in your life? What do you think? It's very difficult for me to say because I'm basically pointing principles to people and they have to find themselves if they feel... Mm. Is it an addiction or not? You could yeah. look on the outside and think like it's an addiction. But in the end, I think intuitively, when you have an honest conversation with yourself and you would be willing to listen to an honest answer, I think people mostly know like, do I have a healthy relationship with this or not? Or an integrated relationship with this? Yeah. Yeah. But that presupposes that you ask yourself valid questions. Yes. What is my, <laughs> what is my relation to sexuality, for example? Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think that's my main perspective that everyone well let's say usually i talk to people almost only guys by the way so only men and they come to me and they ask me do i have an addiction what do you think mm -hmm. as a psychologist so mm -hmm. my answer always is well i don't know because mm -hmm. that's that's subjective to you whatever is happening but you have to ask yourself well a few questions and one of them is do i have a, a healthy relationship mm -hmm. with sexuality Mm -hmm. And that answer changes when you, well, it changes every moment. So eh, when, you, when I ask myself this question, mm -hmm. this week can be different from mm -hmm. next week. But in the first place, you have, you have to ask yourself, do I have a, a, a healthy relationship with sexuality in this matter? Do you go to your body then? Do you go to your emotions then? Do you go to your values then? To well, that's interesting that because usually the men I speak to they don't have this proper connection to their body mm. or to their emotions because they are used to override this with watching porn for example because it's a it's a solution for almost everything for example when you are sad or when you are angry well let's watch porn and the feeling is gone for the short term of course so usually i think it's important to reconnect to your body and also to your emotions because you have your body your body gives signals whether it be emotions or not so you have your body your emotions and then your values or your identity your self-image because i talked about my my porn addiction or issue with porn i made videos about it on my youtube channel mm -hmm. uh, which people can look up if they want to this youtube channel if you check it on YouTube and a lot of the reactions that you get, which is weird, even about poor, maybe you also get about sex. Like, huh, what is wrong? Can you be addicted to sex? Isn't just healthy to have sex? So it, it often is reactions of people not understanding that it could become an addiction or they label it as just healthy in general. Mm. Have you also witnessed that when you talk about this or there's more openness? Uh, well, I am open about this. So people, when people come to me, they're usually, I think, more open than in general. But before we move on, I think it, it's good to, well, to point out that there are two, let's say, versions of mm -hmm. sex addiction. And I quote sex addiction because the term addiction, I don't like it very much because mm. it stigmatizes, it becomes very heavy. When you say I'm addicted to sex, you know, I, I, for me, it's better to say, well, sexuality or sex or porn as a, is a big part of my life, which I don't like mm. anymore, for example. So that's one. And I think 
when we talk about sex, we have two variables. One is passive and the other, other one is active. And by passive, I mean, uh, there's no one else, only you and the screen. So we're talking about porn uh, or your relation with porn. And the other one is active. So there is some other person on the other end. Mm -hmm. It can be online or offline. Uh, for example, dating apps or chatting or webcam sex. It's all uh, because, because there is another person the psychological mechanism is somewhat different compared to watching porn. And to move on from this, the passive variant is more about anxiety, usually, mm. because you have to deal with things and you're insecure about this and you don't want to deal with it with this. So porn is a short-term solution. And of course, when you are like a teenager and you do this a lot, then you don't evolve as a person or an identity that can cope in a different variety with things. So that's one. And the other one, like this active variant, is more about, it's not black and white as I say it like this, but the active variant is more about your self-image. You're very insecure and you, you need this confirmation of other people to give you the feeling, well, I, I matter, let's say. I sometimes read it, I think it was from Esther Perel. Mm -hmm. where she actually says the way I'm going to use passive variant for the, the porn variant where there's no interaction, that they kind of do it because they can't get rejected. You can get horny, you can just watch it. Sure. There's no feeling of getting yeah. rejected or becoming abandoned. Yeah, that's interesting because I see, well, quite a lot of married people, so married men, and they watch porn and sometimes they're okay with this, but their partner isn't. Or sometimes they're, they're themselves are not okay with this. And they can't explain why they do watch porn, but they don't have the urge to have sex or be intimate with mm. their partner. Mm -hmm. And what Esther Perel is saying is like this, then when it's, it's, it's difficult sometimes to, to have sex with your partner or even more difficult than watching porn by yourself because it's only you. So you're right there. And you have this endless novelty because you kind of have the dopamine rush of always the novelty, or that's also the dark hole sometimes of porn that let me know in the comments if ever that uh, was something that you had. Sometimes I watched porn and I was just curious about it, some kind of porn I hadn't seen before. It wasn't like it would make me horny, but you get, yeah. get down the rabbit hole like, oh, something new, a new body, a new image, a new way. And you just get used to that stimulation of always like having the novelty and when mm -hmm. you have a partner, of course, you can't change your partner all the time. I mean, when you have a committed relationship, so that also makes it different when you're addicted to that always new or more radical porn or new yeah. bodies. Yeah, that's true. That's like the mechanism that the, the big tech companies use to that you return to their platforms, of course. So it's not only porn. It's like Pornhub is a big tech company. It's more a tech company than a porn company, by the way, of course. And it's like Instagram and social media. It's like the same mechanism. For instance, uh, I started watching at some uh, older porn or erotica. And there's actually yeah. something nice about it because sometimes these actors, they, they, they go to, with each other. Like there was like a scene, which I found very arousing. It was like a younger guy. He was like initiated by an older woman, you know, and that older woman just loved the younger guy. She was excited. She held her hands. You could see that there was some, some affection and compassion. It was like slower, more buildup, you know, there's like cunning linguists, let's say, and kissing. But when you look at most porn, it's like super penetration, mm -hmm. super hard, super forceful. And the whole connection aspect, it's not there. No. And I used to, you know, my dad, uh, sorry, dad, if you listen to this, he sometimes recorded this erotica at night, you know, and then I could watch at it when my parents were away, but it has these intimate scenes without being explicit. Yeah. But sometimes that was a nice introduction into like what sex is like and how to make love. But now most of the youth, they just get it from, from porn. Sure. But that is a big, big difference. We, I, I think we're quite, we have the same age, something like that, 40, 40 years. Yeah. 38, yeah. Yeah. In our time, it was like this. But now, I think also because of the influence of the new technologies, like the smartphone, for example, our brain, well, isn't wired anymore to slow down. We want to speed it up every time with every new technology. It's becoming more and more difficult to just take your time to attend to whatever is happening. And that's a big thing because 
Porn, what you are telling me now mm -hmm. is more about this connection between mm -hmm. sex and intimacy mm -hmm. or arousing and intimacy. But now it's just intimacy is like there on the left mm -hmm. corner and porn is on the right corner. So the two have nothing to do with each other. Not anymore, at least. Maybe sometimes, but uh, the mainstream porn is, is built up to... Yeah, to escape from life. And it's so accessible. All you just need is your phone. You can basically do sure. it everywhere. Yeah, well, my I would say that there is no sex addiction because you cannot become addicted to sex itself. The same goes for porn. It's more a smartphone addiction or a technology or internet addiction that we want to get something new every time. We want more and we want it now and we want it to be more exciting than it was before. Yeah, it's almost crazy that I think the sex used to be better in the past with more connection, but there's never been so much access or sexualization accessible just in the tip of your pink fingers. Just look at only OnlyFans that some women just provide sexual content just to subscribers. It's never been so accessible, but it's never been... There's huge problems right now in relationships or with sex and these things, even though sex is so accessible everywhere and everything is almost like... Yeah, well, because it is so accessible, it has some effect. Hey, you were talking about your body. For example, this morning, I spoke to a very young guy. He's 23. And for my company, I have this program. It lasts three months and with a group of men, so not individually, but a group of men, we are going to dive into our relationship with sex and how we can maintain it or rediscover it, let's say. And he is 23 and he called me because since 10 years or so, he's watching porn. And when he was 19, 20, he had a relationship for two years. And of course, they wanted to become intimate sexually and he couldn't uh, yeah. get it or he couldn't have an erection. And so it had a huge impact on, on his self-esteem, of course, which drove him into the arms of porn. <laughs> and so the connection between being intimate sexually again and watching porn has become even become a, a wider gap for him. I would love to hear if you're open to share some experiences maybe that you have to make maybe, you know, if people recognize themselves in your story or how certain things escalated. I definitely had that. For instance, I've also talked about it in my video that they mistake like, oh, you watch porn because you're so horny. But I had this in the past mm. that I was horny with the porn. And then when I was with a real girl, I just couldn't get it up. Or I had to go back to these porn images yeah. in my head to actually get it up. And then I was like, whoa, this is really sad, actually. This is like pretty pathetic, actually. That uh, I mean, pathetic. I mean, I'm putting labeling and guilt on it, but I'm just showing my conversations that I had in my head about it, right? Yeah. Because they had the idea like, oh, you just have a high libido or you just have high sex. But yeah, it was there with the porn, but yeah. when there's a real beautiful woman out there, then then you have issues with it. So it's not just, because that's sometimes also something that you hear people say, maybe you're just horny, maybe you just have a high libido, but yeah. one doesn't equal the other necessarily, you know? No, no. And yeah, I would say porn is never about sex. <laughs> and it's it's not about libido mm, but what we're talking right now is about the effect of long-term watching porn mm. it can have an effect it's not always the case mm. but it can have an effect on your erection or your your erectile functioning and of course that has a, an effect of on your self-image because you're 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 feeling guilty or you're you're ashamed or you're loathing yourself and that, of course, has another effect on your erection. So if you are used to, or to, let's say, to, to link this arousing or the sexual arousal to watching porn, that's the only association. It's very difficult, of mm -hmm. course, to be with someone else in life. And it's very scary as well. And because of this scariness, and because of this fear, it's very difficult to be in touch with yourself and the other. So then you're lost. And to what I do as a psychologist is to restore this connection between you and yourself, let's say. And therefore, you need to train your awareness. Where are you with your mind, for example? And when you're too much in your head and you 
yeah, all these thoughts about, well, it's about performing. Yeah? Sex is about performing then. There's also the message that we get from this new porn, the mainstream mm -hmm. porn. So it's for, I, I think, even for younger people, people who are now 20, 25, something like that, and I see them more and more, they, they talk about this, that is a very different experience for them to watch porn on the one side and masturbate, and on the other hand, to be with a girl. So that's, uh, that's yeah, a big that, thing. That experience doesn't translate immediately to the bedroom because mostly those guys, they're hard all the time. They penetrate, they come, and everything is like, yeah, it's fluidly going through positions. But when you're with a real woman, you know, it's more time. It's sometimes softer, more intimacy. It's fine if you just want to hug and kiss. But when you have that image like, no, I should lead all the time. I should perform. It should be rock hard all the time. I should you know, come, yeah. there's like this kind of image of that porn image that you think also translate into intimacy and then dealing with these moments that you feel a bit less turned on or like hugging, you know, it's like, oh, it doesn't fit that porn scene. <laughs> take one, take two image you have. Yeah, but I, I, I think I wanted to take it a step further. I think, but it's not, I don't have concrete evidence, but I think that because of the youth or the, the youth right now, these times, they are very used to, to be in both worlds. They have two worlds to where, where they're in. They, are, they have this online world with, with an identity. They have an online identity. And they also have like this offline identity. But they don't evolve as a human being fully because they have these separate identities. And because of these separate identities, they have an online identity. And they're in this online identity it values a lot what other people think of you. Mm -hmm. So when they're very much online, they take this to this offline identity, so they become scared of real intimacy. Because, for example, dating, when I was young, I was 20 or so, then I, I had to go to actually go to a girl and say, uh, well, my, my moves or whatever, and then they, she could reject me. And rejection, in the first place, it may be not nice, but on the long term, it's good for you because you know what other people think of you directly, also with signals verbally, non-verbally. And when you're very young, also when you Tinder, also Tinder, the only message you get is when you have a hit, when you have a match, but you don't see all the others who don't agree with how you are dressed Quite or how you blessed, look. Yeah. So it's very difficult, I think, that when you actually are 20 25 and you are with a woman or a girl and in the bedroom it's it's very scary or very you're very high in your conscious consciousness so yeah it, they, they don't train these skills that you need to be intimate with well one another person but be also be intimate with yourself because many people are when they are silent and when they have to wait for a bus for example, they grab their phone and they are distracted. But, and they, so they don't tune in with, okay, what is happening with me right now? How am I going? How am I doing? Uh, with who am I? What, is the, what are the surroundings? So that is, um, well, a change that I, that I see in the last 20 years or so. Could you tell a bit about your experiences, maybe some examples where you feel for yourself, like mm. this felt me violating my boundaries, this didn't feel good. Like how does this process of seeing it as a burden or becoming aware of it, how does this manifest itself in your, in your previous life? Yeah, it's an interesting question. In my podcast, it's, there are five episodes and four of them, the, the, the one, two, four, is from a client's clients I uh, interviewed for my book and uh, their stories are also in the book but the fifth is about me mm -hmm. because I'm a psychologist and I think it's good to place myself as a psychologist for my uh, for my clients to that I'm in the first place I'm a psychologist but also in the second place I have dealt and sometimes I have to deal still with well my own lust let's mm -hmm. say and when I was in my 20s mid-20s I, I had a girlfriend and we had like, uh, our relationship was basically, it was okay. It was fine. But due to personal circumstances, like my, my, my father died after he was sick for five years. Then my, my best friend of my childhood, he, he, he was skiing and he two or three. And then in a few days, he also uh, passed away. 
So that was those are, were big things in my life. And then from then I was 35 or so. Mm-hmm. I thought, okay, if this is happening or this can happen in my life, I am going to live, motherfucking live, you know. And that was at least my response to what what happened to me. And this living for me was okay. I I have my base. I have my girlfriend. But I wanted to live fully. So what I did was I I started other lives with other girls. And I had, well, various affairs. And it was quite classic. I had my, uh, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But the thing was, Mm -hmm. I wasn't ready to actually choose for this life because I wanted to have it both. I wanted to have this, Mm -hmm. maintain my relationship with my girlfriend, but also I wanted to live the other life. So that was where I started to live secret lives. And then it, well, it became bigger and bigger. And in the end, it's, maybe it's a classic story. I don't know. But one of these affairs, I was really over, over my head into this woman. And then I, I was in the end, after a couple of years, I was open to my girlfriend. And then we broke up. And well, now we're, I think we're 30, 13 years later. I can say, okay, I get it what I did and it was not only about sex but it was mm. about what sex represented for me it was about adventure and living life to the fullest but what I know now is that when you really want to live your life you have to choose and what I did was not choosing it was well it was egocentric and yeah so that was my active experience and I also had like what you said earlier also in that period, because I lived in Madrid for like mm-hmm. one and a half year. And then I w- came back and then I had to finish my thesis. And then I had this, what you, you told us before that, okay, I have to start with my thesis, but I, I, don't, need, I don't want it. I'm, I'm here. Okay, so first I want to, to watch some porn and then I will start. So this procrastination yeah, porn this is a huge thing, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is also a huge thing, right? The yeah. time that you waste with porn, because I don't know about yeah. you, but sometimes you're like looking for the ultimate edging, they call it, the ultimate scene that you come on, and you're just yeah. like scrolling there 45 minutes going from scene to scene to scene. And your dick actually is not so excited anymore, but you keep on riding those short excitements looking for the perfect scene that finally will make you come. It's like, damn. Mm. I don't know if you also had that, but I think it's very prevalent also in terms of time wasting, how much time besides the focus and energy goes towards porn. Yeah, that's, that's true. It's about time, but also it represents that you are not living the life you really want to. Because, uh, for example, in my... When I, when I did this, I think I had to open up and to speak with someone about this. But of course, I was ashamed as well. And I didn't know what to do with my feelings because they were, I, was, I, I felt heavy just heavy and I didn't know why. So I turned to porn and then that is another world and nobody can judge you because you're like on your own. Secrecy also. Yeah. So so it's also a safe space. And that's what I see a lot that when, when the world is like insecure and people are... They are afraid of what is going to happen because also for with Corona, for example, in all this period with mm. COVID, I think many people, if you don't know what's what's about to happen, you want to live in a safe world, and porn is safe to the max. I think because porn, it, porn it, use it's must every have, time the same. Repetition, I think porn repetition. use must have gone up massively during COVID of lockdown, staying inside, and anxiety, sure. and stress, everything sure. being online, not yeah. going to social places again. Yeah. So that's why I think to conclude, I think sex and porn are not the same. They're different from each other. And porn essentially is about fear or about insecurity and sex or sexuality is about intimacy and connection. It's it's not black and white as I say it like this, but it is different from each other. It's interesting that you said like I was pretty self-centered at that time, but at another way, and correct me if I'm wrong, you were actually not so much centered in yourself because you didn't know <laughs> yourself. You didn't know what your values and boundaries were. So in a way, it was a bit egoistical, but in a way, you also didn't know what you stood for and who you are, actually. It's a nice observation. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe egoism is not the best, same as self-centeredness. Maybe mm-hmm. it's like the reverse of self-centeredness. 
So everybody has like a breaking point, I think. I, I mean, I talked with some people with porn addiction. It can escalate to escorts or webcam girls or extreme porn. Everybody always, you will have these moments where you do some certain behavior and know like, I can do better. Like, this is not good for me. It can be with drugs, can be with porn or whatever. But I think it's classic. I mean, if you look at it from chakra level, you look for these outside things. The job will bring me fulfillment. The woman will bring me fulfillment. The drugs will make me feel good. Until at a certain point, I think it creased me in your 30s as a man. You feel like this is not working for me and you go more inside or you, you're you open to have honest conversation with yourself. Like, who am I? What am I here for? What am I looking for? Mm-hmm. But often it's a stage to get that external, thrilling, stimulating adventures to then in the end see like, this is not giving me what I want. You know, I'm chasing clouds here, you know? Yeah, but it's an interesting question. I, I think... For everyone, there is a momentum. And the people or the men I see, they are like from 20 to to 60. But for everyone, there is a momentum in life that that they say to themselves, okay, until here and now I'm fed up. I it's it's done. I need to change or I need a change. Or that's internal, but mostly what can happen is externally when you have a partner or Mm -hmm. something happens because you lose a friend or your job or whatever. Then there's a like a well big mirror that says to you, okay, guy, <laughs> you really need to change something. And I hope with my company and my book and my podcast that men are asking themselves questions radically, and they are I hope they're they're radically honest to answer a question like, okay, I have to change something now and not wait for something bad to happen that other people will be damaged, for example. If somebody would have, a, let's let's talk about the passive one, mm-hmm. the porn one, let's sure. say. Probably it, you will answer it depends, which is always the annoying answer uh, to give the question. <laughs> but let's say somebody has an issue with porn and it controls them and they feel empty and uh, you know maybe they have erectile dysfunction, etc. Yeah. Should they quit? Talk, I did it once for two, three weeks. And then like in, in increasingly that urge started building up in my body, but I had like something that would go completely against my values if I would do it, you know? So that was like, no, I'm not doing that just to go to that two, three week period. And then it went easier, but I was like excruciating the buildup in my body. Like physically, I had to some point, which is hilarious, put like ice cubes on my balls because (laughs) there's so much energy being built up. Is there some way to taper off porn instead of like doing the cold turkey or watch some more accessible porn or giving your experience, it will depend. Is it best to just not watch porn anymore? find some erotica or maybe you have links that are like still sexual but more appropriate and linked to intimacy what are some ways or people can develop a better relationship with porn and where should they start or how should they go to the process yeah with all that temptation on your phone on your desktop yeah. i mean there's so much i mean i had something that blocked all the porn sites but there's so much porn sites to block them all it's just completely impossible when you're just in front of your desktop yeah well, I'm not going to say it depends because I have, I have a, a philosophy about this. Okay, let's, I'm going to expand my answer a little bit mm, yeah, because now you, you have the, the presumption that people or yeah, men, they know already that they want to deal or change their relationship with mm. porn, right? They want to do something about it. I think it's essential what happens before because there is some yeah you went to through some phases to to decide this is what i'm going to do gonna do and i think this shouldn't be an impulsive decision so you have to think about this why do i want to break my habit with porn because it's usually it's a habit and and why and when because when you don't think about it and you just do it and then yeah you don't know how to do it then within a week or two or three you become maybe very creative and put some ice cubes on your balls or whatever but i think it's crucial before you make this decision that you you think about it and thinking about it can be very easily be done to uh, just write down when you do it and why you do it. So what's the association or the relation between a thought or an impulse, which 
usually it's not conscious so you have an unconscious impulse to watch porn it triggers then, yeah yeah so just if you do this a week or two weeks and what happens exactly in this context before you are you you experience this craving of watching porn so that's one second is I, in phase one, I call this phase one, I have three phases. So phase one is just the breaking of the habit. And eh, you're talking about the breaking of the habit. And the breaking of the habit, it means for me that in, you have to, or do you want to, be, to become abstinent from porn for 66 days. 66 days is like a period that you can get your head around. And yeah, it's, it's a good training period to actually break a habit. It's also scientifically been proven that something about 66, it's, it's a, how do you call it, a median? And a, I know what you mean. It's like yeah. a average an average, for yeah. a, so it's, a bad addiction or pattern to slowly yeah. subside or a good habit to start yeah. being more yeah. installed. So that's only phase one, this 66 days. And in this 66 days, it's okay sometimes maybe if you don't really, sometimes it's too much and you fall back. That's okay, but it's interesting how you perceive this fallback and what yes. do you do after. If it's a stumble or a relapse. Yeah. And in this 66 days, it's, I think it's essential that there are three ways to cope or to break this habit. Usually what we do is only the, the, the first track. And the first track is to, to find distraction. For example, when usually you have this trigger, then you watch porn. But in, instead of that, we do we have this trigger and we go watch basketball videos on YouTube or whatever. It's okay, but I think it's not very constructive in the long term. But okay, I, I encourage them to 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 start with this first track of distraction. But the second and the third are even far more important. Because the second one is about that you want to learn how to be with this trigger or this emotion. Usually it's like a negatively experienced emotion like sadness, for example. So instead of pushing the sadness away, you have to be, you want to learn to embrace the sadness, which is very hard for people. Mm -hmm. But it's actually like practically wise it's quite simple because it's just okay go just sit down slow down and just see what happens <laughs> which is for many people contra intuitive to do but it's it's training so in 66 days you can see there's a training and the and the third one the third track is about becoming conscious of whatever is happening and why it is happening so very practically you have to sit down and write down whatever is happening and analyze it and and by analyzing it you become or there's gonna be more distance between you and the trigger and as a positive side effect you become more you know you get a more positive image about yourself because you actually can postpone your craving or experience more distance from this craving so but this is this is i mean for me it was at least and i think for most people this is a work in progress right because when you sure, talk about relapse always. and stumbling like it's super easy to explain it but this falling back into negative patterns i love the fact like there's a thing like habit suicide if you if you commit a habit suicide one day just get back on track like mm -hmm. every day is groundhog day just start again you haven't lost everything but just go go back to your bad behavior because the pool of your own habits and the repetitions is a lot bigger than the buildup of your good behavior. And then we delve into something which for me and other people is a lot prevalent. When you get into your emotions or then shame and guilt pop up and that can be like covered emotions. Then you feel guilty about feeling guilty or shameful mm -hmm. about feeling shameful or shameful about feeling sad. And then again, you get into this cycle of covering yeah. up that anxiety or shame again with porn, which make me you know it's from the self-fulfilling prophecy, you know? Yeah. Well, the thing is, you're right, but I have this uh, also. I have this online training program, and it, it's lost about. It's lost not about. It lost ten weeks before starting this program. I actually have this uh, questionnaire about. Well, what's the trigger of wanting to start this program? I think it's essentially it's about attitude. You want to. It's not breaking the habit, but it's about evolving an attitude which 
is about self-care and self-love. But when you start with this attitude, it's difficult. But you have to start somewhere. And it's easy to start with something that you don't want to do. But in this training program, after a few weeks or after maybe even two weeks, you have to think about what am I going to place in the empty space that porn will, if you, if you throw porn out of the window, it, it, there's an empty space left. So how are you going to fill this empty space? So it's more about that in the end, but you have to start somewhere. And, and, and porn for many people is very easy to point at as the big factor of their misery. But it's not, it's not the porn, of course, that makes them misery, miserable. It's, it's about how they perceive themselves watching porn. Yeah, and a lot of times people say uh, you won't tackle the true addiction if you don't find the underlying need. And when you, I mean, there are different ways to do it depending on your personality. I investigate a lot of personality research, so different things will resonate with different people. But correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you can start beginning by painting your new identity or determining your values or tapping into your why or finding your needs. And then you mm. also are already painting something of a new you beforehand that you can also have an interaction with. Is this also something that then you do then of also getting that clear, the why, the values, the identity, the reasons, the impact it's going to have? Yeah, but usually it's, it's, it's later on because mm. people, at least when men come to me, they come to me because they experience this, this burden. <laughs> and so we start with the behavior, but under the behavior, it's like this iceberg and on the top of the iceberg, what you see is this behavior. And it's practical to start with this behavioral change, but underneath, underneath the surface are the second phase, I think, are the psychological mechanisms because why, is it that you became addicted to porn, for example, and not to gaming or to mm -hmm. alcohol, whatever? It's interesting because usually porn has a slightly different dynamic than the other typical. Because addiction. it's more secret and it can be more hidden. Yeah, yeah. That's one factor, yeah. So you need to become more conscious about you how things function, how emotions function, how, how you think. And for example, meditation is about creating distance between your perception of your th thoughts and your feelings and your thoughts and your feelings. So you have to train that as well. So this is the second phase. And then the third phase is about what you said, uh, what you uh, told mm -hmm. about identity and values and searching for your why. And when you have found or have some idea of about your near future or your place in life or your impact you want to make, then you hopefully you have this, you have built up this positive self-image that you can choose and live your life. What do you think about this? Sometimes they say if you're going to focus too much on the addiction, then you're going to make your identity about the addiction and you can almost yeah. reinforce it because the other parts of your life are not so integrated. So is it also that just focusing on other aspects, knowing themselves, developing their life, their habits, which seemingly have nothing to do with working around the addiction, but that makes the focus a bit less centered about this, even though like I'm not an addict anymore, a lot of this focus still is around this addiction. Yeah. What is your stance towards this well exactly this that it's what i what i told you before is i don't believe in the term addiction regarding to sexual porn and it's also because of this because mm. usually when when there is a lot of shame your identity is filled with thoughts about your behavior with porn for example but you, of course you want to create more distance and for that it's you have to get the focus off porn because it you're not only porn you're more than mm -hmm. porn you know so yeah that's my standpoint that that in the end you you start maybe with porn as yeah to work with but very very rapidly we change focus to other fields in life would you still allow someone to watch healthy porn that they watch as healthy porn 
Or would you say like try to abstain, be present, step between stimulus and response and try well, to just... Now I'm going to say it depends, mm. but that, that depends what you choose after 66 days, three, four months or whatever. And in those times you would say like abstain? Abstain 66 days is the main goal. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a kickoff start. Mm-hmm. It's, and from there, you have to think about what kind of person do I want to be? And for example, that's not only sexually, but also professionally and relational with other people and so on. So after this period of abstinence, you have to think, okay, do I want to watch porn? Which is fine by me. It's it's not like, well, you had some history with porn addiction, so you don't have to watch porn anymore. It is sensible, of course, like it is shaky to do so. But if you want it because it lifts you up or for whatever reason, well, you're free to choose. But choose and know what the consequences can be afterwards. Just to make the comparison also with the active one. Would yeah. you then say like only have sex with your partner or would you say abstain for 66 days with your partner? If you have a partner, I would say it's okay with your partner mm. when you are in a monogamous relationship and so on. Yeah. And what is your, because I noticed when I was assaining there was so much energy building in my body, like the horniness or what I label as horniness builds up, what worked me for me. And sometimes they say like, no, don't do anything sexual. But what worked for me is, and that's again, it, it depends if I masturbated once per week, it always depends on what I masturbated, right? And how I did it. Yeah. Because some people say like, no fab, don't masturbate, no sex, no input. And, but that's a lot of... No, for, for me, it's, it's like a personal choice. Mm. People come to me and, and they ask, what, like you, what do, I, what do I do in these 66 days? And I say, well, no porn is, is, is just one, is the guideline. It's better also to, to not drink alcohol, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's easier that way. And also alcohol clouds the judgment and so on. So... If when you still want to masturbate, then it's okay. But then you, we have to talk about how you do it and, and when. And all the what's right in your head. I'm quite liberal in that. In that oh, okay. Sense. Because some people yeah. can say like, yeah, you're not watching porn anymore, but you're playing the porn movie in your head when you're masturbating. So that's, that's again, sometimes dissociating again. So. Yeah, but the, these are like details. Mm, and I okay. think like the main thing is, is different the watching porn and the imaging of porn is it's quite different because the imaging of porn in your head is like repetition of something that you have seen or are making up but new it's, it's not that are usually well no what i like to what i like to have done then is that when i fantasize i fant if i'm single right about a, a yeah. real life girl or a girl i really like or something tangible you know like yeah. that, that's what i like to do you sometimes even which for me is very if, if you're just going to hold your hand and try to make your cock hard for like a longer period of time pure on sensations and keep it up like that can be like without stimulation that can be a whoa a big challenge you know to just be in it's touch a, with it's your a body nice exercise way, yeah. yeah but the thing is with porn I, I told you before, it's not about porn, essentially. Mm. It's more about, there's one hypothesis that the addiction is on information or in information overload. And, and that means that when you're watching porn, there's only you and the clicking and the porn and the images. And then you become in, in like a state that is like arousing it's not about the porn but it's about this when you for example you're in this car and you go with 200 kilometers an hour and it's like it's this rush and this yeah yeah it's sometimes you research what they did but like the best thing to do on a date is to take them to an accelerating experience because then they will translate the excitement from the adventure they did like (laughs) okay i'm in love my heartbeat is like higher so they say like yes i'm feeling something for the person you know yeah, that's also about the shared experience, I suppose. But, but the thing is, we, talk, we were talking about this period of abstinence. What do you do? The thing is, it's better to not watch porn because, or you can, of course, in your memory, do whatever you want because there's no information overload. So you have to abstain from 
information overload. That's that's the, the main thing. The stimuli, yeah, and stimuli. And, and that's like be be with it's it, it's the bigger thing that you said, like it's also an information smartphone addiction to just sit yeah. still, hey the bus is not coming, just breathe. Yeah, and essentially it's <laughs> yeah. essentially it's about slowing down. Dare to slow down. But people usually don't dare to slow down because they're scared of slowing down. That's interesting. Why are people scared of slowing down? Why are people scared of silence? Or why are people scared of not doing anything? That That's interesting. I think with everything that's been going on uh, the last 18 months, when I go down to what truly brings change to people, it's awareness and reflection. But for that, mm. there have to be honest conversation, a willingness to listen, and a pause and silence to then deal with these things. And it, it's probably uncomfortable because when you listen, when you reflect, you can find out things that you don't like or don't want. But for me, I think that's kind of interesting. That's where the learning and growing is, but it doesn't mean that it's always nice and something you wish to hear or wish to face. It's like facing the unknown. Yeah, but many people are scared of facing the unknown, right? <laughs> so I invite people to, to train themselves in, in, exact, in exactly that. Face the unknown, embrace it, and see what happens. But very, many people are very reluctant to train that. Would you suggest that a partner who deals with this to just have a conversation with their partner about, you know, I have an issue with porn or it's something that you'd like to be open about it? Because the secrecy also, and when you have to deal with it yourself, when you struggle with this in a relationship, do you suggest them to discuss it with their partner and that their partner can actually stimulate good behavior or how should they deal with this? Should they discuss it when they're working on it and they meet a new person? Oh, yeah, like that. So there are two versions now. One, there is a partner, and mm -hmm. one, there is no partner now, but in the future, they will have a partner and yes. then discuss it. Yes, yes, they have on a date, and they're, they're wrestling with it and going through it. That's one scenario. And the other yeah. one is like a guy want to work through it, and they're in a relationship. Yeah. Well, first, when you're in a relationship, I think it's good to know that there are two forces. And the first is like you have your intra-psychic problem or issue which is you and porn you have an issue with porn or with anxiety or whatever and that has i think it has an effect on your relationship so when it has an impact on your relationship it's good to talk about it the thing is then it's not only intrapsychic anymore it's also it has become inter or relational so interpersonal so when it becomes interpersonal it's good to know that is it can also have an effect on the other one mm -hmm. which is not about you anymore but it's now about her or him but mostly her because usually for example it's not always the case of course but a woman can perceive herself as ugly for example when she knows that the other partner the man uh, the guy is watching porn you have to think about that so usually when people come to me, it's not only about the individual problem, but also the second one, there is a relational problem and I have relational conversations with them. Would you suggest them to tell it to their partner or not? When it has, a, when it's, uh, it has an impact, yes, of course. But it, it tells me something about the relational or the couple when the partner doesn't do it because he's scared of rejection or mm. he is ashamed, which is normal, I, I can understand. But mostly or maybe always the first step is the biggest one, and that is to be open about it. And it's very, well, scary for many people, I think, to be open about it. Because because of exactly this, uh, you, you lose your secret world. And the second one is that your partner, well, can reject you or can despise you or whatever. It can be also, this is a depend sometimes, because sometimes let's say that you're sleeping around with other women and you, you're with a partner that you really like and love and you just want to commit to the partner. This may be controversial, what I'm going to say, but I don't think you should always tell it to your partner like I've been cheating and sleeping around with other women. Sometimes when your partner knows you've been cheating, there's a huge trust breach that sometimes mm -hmm. never can be recovered. So I'm not giving any one-sided responses here, but sometimes when you're truly committed, you know you're wrong, you want to work on it. Sometimes, I don't know, you can maybe say like, no, I would never do that. Sometimes you could not tell it to your partner, commit, and then just not do it again and just like work on the relationship without actually admitting it because sometimes admitting it can can break unresolved, like 
trust issues forever and it will never be the same again. At least yeah. I'm wondering my plots here, right, about the options here. Yeah, but, but I agree. The thing is, there's no guideline or guidelines that you have to do this or that. The thing is, you have to think about what is good to do and also about the impact of what you're going to do or don't. So exactly what you're saying is it, it, can, has an, it can have an impact if you say something about your past. Uh, and we live now, of course, in a society and uh, we have to be open in our relationships and so on. But you, you can question that, of course. It, it's, it's, I think you have, it, that's the first thing that you have to question why you do something or don't do something. Yeah, but usually in these in this two scenarios, I think it's best when you have a partner and this is a problem, then, you have, then it's better to tell, to open up, because it can also have a positive effect. It can reinstable your mm. connection. And on the other hand, in the second scenario, when there's no partner now and maybe in the future you will have a partner, then, it, then it's up to you. Maybe you're very confident to, to tell something, but then it can have an effect on your relationship later on. Or you don't tell anything, and but then, then you have to be very conscious about the yeah how it evolves your behavior with porn, for example. Do you know why women don't have this problem so much of being addicted to sex or porn, or it's not being open so much? Because you tell me that we mostly face like men, and more yeah. men have an issue with this. Can you explain? Is it just testosterone in general, or is it the way how women? Deal no, with this, this testosterone is overrated in this mm. sense. <laughs> Because they, men have more testosterone, but it's not that the women don't have testosterone. And the amount of testosterone isn't, is not the biggest influence on the sexual desire. So it's not the case that men have more sexual desire than women. That's just not the case. With porn, on the other hand, I think there, what I know is that the, there is some well, thing on the chromosome of men that they are more sensible to thrill activities and thrill activities. Risk-seeking behavior. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and porn, it's not the only cause, but porn has this effect also on the brain. So that's what I think is that why men are more susceptible to porn. Could you still talk a bit about the role of shame and guilt and why these 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 emotions are so difficult to deal with or or not tackled enough in the whole process of what you're dealing with? Well, well, you can ask it to yourself as well, of course. What is, what is so difficult about shame and guilt? You think? Maybe not for you, by the way. Maybe you're like a different. Well, I make the definition. I make the, the distinction. I think Bernie Brown made the distinction between guilt is being guilty about what you did, which sometimes mm -hmm. can be sure. good because it creates a conscious and shame is it attacks the core. Like I don't know, John. I don't know what the book was. It was about shame, healing the shame that binds us. That talks about more about who we are as a person, not yeah. about what we do. And yeah, it, it, it is interesting because in in my, in my podcast in the first episode, this very interesting uh, a, a guy who has for six or eight years, almost weekly, he had sex dates. And uh, he was gay, so maybe it's a little easier bit more easier. Yeah, yeah. But he was very, very ashamed because he had, he had a, a boyfriend and he was very much in love with this boyfriend. And still, he did it every week, sometimes twice a week. And he, he didn't understand it, why he was doing what he did. And he rejected himself very, very much. So it's really, really, really ashamed. And the thing is, when you're feeling ashamed, and that's what you said now, shame and guilt are different because shame is part of yourself and, and it's about what, who you are. And so it's a very heavy feeling and you can very, you can be, it, it can, yeah, you're, you're being caught up in this feeling of shame while guilt is maybe also not very nice to have yeah. but it tells you something it's more like it can guide you feedback to do better next time while shame always is frozen yeah. in your body and but, will always be a part of you it feels that way right yeah so that's about what you do so it's about behavior so usually in therapy i i want to because maybe maybe you can in your therapy use guilt as a way to point towards what they want to do what they want to stand yeah, for sure, their identity but, but it, can, it can be a way to show them but shame is a very different that's well, more the, the difficult to with, transform the thing with shame is when someone's really ashamed about himself it's very difficult to actually have 
or do therapy on mm. him or her. So first you have to deal with the shame and to, well, figure out what is the shame about, when, what is causing the shame and how long is it going on and so on. And then shame can be, well, converting to guilt, maybe, and then it's easier to, to break your pattern. So, and back to your question, why is shame and guilt so big an issue with porn and sex? Well, it's easy, I think, because we are learned that sex and porn, but sex in general, is shady, let's say, mm -hmm. because that makes sense, of course, but because everybody's doing it, but, but we don't see them doing it. So yeah. we only yeah, no see people doing it. Right? You can yeah. learn how to play football. You can, you know, learn how to create a lot of skills. But yeah. sex is like figure it out and don't talk about it. Yeah, but which is nice in a way, of course, because sex is about tension and is about not knowing. It's about discovery. When mm -hmm. when someone tells you how he or she is doing sex, then it tells nothing about how you should do it. It's about self discovery as well. So this this is an interesting tension field, uh, but. Also, everything which is which you cannot see, you you start to think about it, and it so and, and, and you have your own perspective. But when when you don't change perspectives with other people about sex, for example, you can be caught up in your perspective about sex, and then it easily can become secretly, and yeah. And also there's not a lot, like recently, I, I mean, yes, the connection, the intimacy, the communication is more important, but there's a book called She Comes First, and it's about cunning linguists to give a little bit of steps for men, like how to pleasure woman orally. You have a book, Sex God Method, which is a bit of a radical title, but it's more about the verbal role play, about scenarios, like in that way. But some women act like this area of sex, like it should all be natural, like having to train that, having to learn that it's like a taboo. And yes, it's more about the connection and openness, but it can sometimes be good. Like I went to a sex workshop from a friend like a time ago, but it was amazing. It was about foreplay, hygiene, what to do sure. beforehand, afterwards, self-care, grooming, the positions. And some people would say like, what? You have to learn that? It's like, I just want to get better at this skill and it seems yeah. cool, but there still seems to be a taboo to just even, even be open to this. Yeah. 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 But I agree. It's just, we don't learn it. That we don't learn sex in school. <laughs> you have to learn it from workshops or from your own. And we expect uh, a lot. Like it, it has to feel good, right? If a woman has to explain or gently guide what she likes, it's like, oh, you're not doing it well, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's a working, you can communicate and you can laugh a bit with stumbling and figuring each other out. But often there's a lot of pressure or perceived pressure on how it should be and how effortless the whole act should be and taking control of sex, you know? Yeah. One thing that I just want to end with, and it worries me a bit. I imagine a future where in the future people will be able to plug into any kind of environment, have sex with any kind of woman that digitally mm -hmm. lends her body, like digital printing. It would be any kind of uh, famous person or attractive person. You know, you can feel like you're having sex with that person in the way how you want to with some unpredictability building at the position you like. And there will be such a vast menu of sex people places you could have that really feel like exact experience and environment that you want then i'm wondering do people still want to have sex with real people and commit because that endless option now in front of a screen i think when it's also visceral in your body you feel like it you perceive it like it's real that would make it even more tempting to say no and more stimuli and more variety mm-hmm because you see sometimes in Japan, these people that actually are also living just behind their computer and they're going mm -hmm. to these bars with like half cyborgs and then have sex with, it sounds crazy right now, but let's just see in five or 10 years, I'm feeling that most people think humans are too fragile. It's too much work. It's not interesting. It's not novel. So with all the sex industry, more and more in the perceptual industry and information industry with technology, with robots that feel like humans. Mm -hmm. I imagine sometimes that more and more men will just go towards that replacement for real relationships and sex with real people. Yeah, well, you're right. And on the, on the same hand, I don't agree mm -hmm. <laughs> because I, th I think it will be like that in the future with all the AI technology and the virtual reality and so on. 
and it, it will be become very easy to have sex with everyone you can even think about or even cannot think about, mm -hmm. but they will be there for you to pleasure you. On the, on the other hand, people are wired for connection and they want to be intimate with each other and they want to really touch each other in vivo. And I think when this will happen in the future, even the, 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 the urge or the importance of really connect to another person emotionally as well and, and with your body and mind and spirit on the same time, I think people actually want that. Also, the men who are experience the uh, are going to experience this hr of a vr things yeah um, hr is human resources yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know i know but maybe there will become an industry about uh, porn and hr yeah. so it will become more difficult to actually learn the skills to connect with each other i think we will want to be intimate with other people but we are yeah, losing the skills to, to do so. That's the main issue, I think. People want to learn more about the skills of what you do, your process, all your work. Where can they check out more about you, your books, and the programs that you offer? Mindyoursex.nl And yeah, I have a mailing every two weeks. And also my book. My book is called Lust as Last in Dutch. And also lustaslast.nl is also the site. And also the podcast, of course. One, one last question. Let's say that you could introduce something during adolescence education that helps people have a healthier relationship with sex. What are some things that you wish parents could provide to children, schools could provide to children, some things that children or adolescents that are blooming into sexual beings? What do you think are some tools that we could give earlier or better or more freely or decisions they could make that would probably make them yeah. more prone to have a healthy relationship with, with sex and porn? Yeah, I think it's not about the, the relationship with sex and porn in general. I think it's with the relationship with ourselves and with other mm -hmm. people. And I think the main skill, maybe that's the essential skill, is, is slowing down. Because the world is going, is, is going faster and faster and faster and slowing down is, is, is an essential skill. So when we look like Eastern philosophy, the Eastern philosophy, I do many things with philosophy western and eastern but i think eastern philosophy is about space giving space to whatever can be happening so to love that space you have many skills you have for example qigong it's also like a way of exercising this space and not filling it in or filling it with smartphones or porn or uh, social media or news or or google or whatever so to think for yourself, to be with yourself, I think that's, that's one. And you can do that by meditation or by just sitting down or just by being in nature, or whatever. I think that's essential. Well, thanks so much for sitting down for this conversation yeah, and you're having welcome. a deep talk about uh, the things that often people don't talk about. Love the work that you're doing and uh, wish you all the best with mostly helping people disconnect, connect with themselves and have a healthy relationship with themselves. Thanks for being a guest on the, uh, the podcast, Matthias. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and support our mission of freedom of speech. With increasing restrictions on fundamental freedoms, we believe that now, more than ever, is the time for you to be an online coach or consultant and become independent from the system. That's why we created the Client Closer Academy. Learn how to consistently enroll clients and join a community of fellow free thinkers who value personal responsibility, speaking their truth, and making an impact. Find out more at clientcloser.com slash academy. Rant over.